Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. (laughs) Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! (laughs) Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, Let's meet the crew. Uh, I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies and do a lot of other things at this point. I'm Kelly Lawler, and I'm still here watching TV. This is your first time listening. Welcome. Uh, new episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, it would make our quarantined hearts very happy and full if you would leave a quick review about the show. By doing that, you'll help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. Also, as a bonus, we will give you a shout-out on the next episode. Um, so it's all upside for you. It's great for us. We get a lot of good feedback. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can send an email to mothershippod at usatoday.com. All right. Week two of all of us still socially isolating, still can't really say quarantined from home, but really just kind of staying homebound. Quick disclaimer if you missed last week. So because we're recording separately and we don't have access to our studio, we have a lot of fun, cool technology to keep the pod going. It might not sound like you're used to. So just a warning, you might hear random dogs barking in the background. You might hear other crazy stuff. So just a heads up for future episodes going forward. But I think one thing that we're going to start doing week to week is just talking about the things that are honestly keeping us sane throughout all this, because it's obviously a lot going on. And we're all leaning on pop culture to kind of keep us going in all this. So we're going to start off each week just talking about the the one thing that's keeping us sane throughout all this. And then we're going to get to the main topic, which is an interesting trend that we've noticed over the last couple of weeks in entertainment and pop culture since everything has gone down with coronavirus and this outbreak. But Kelly, let me start with you. What is the one thing this week that has been keeping you sane and happy? You're going to be so excited. I have been very entertained and soothed by watching my husband play Animal Crossing. let's Um, chat that's mine too uh yeah so we each sort of got a um coronavirus we need comfort purchase so i got airpods which i'm currently wearing and you know what i don't care if anyone makes fun of me they're worth it i love them so much i mean he downloaded animal crossing onto his switch and 
the little voices of the animals bothered me at first, but the whole vibe of it is just very, very chill. And um, a lot of the other games that he plays are not chill. And this is kind of a, a branched out for him too. And he like chose it because he knew that it had this reputation for being very stress relieving. So it's really nice. And it's also, we can like hang while he plays video games and he doesn't have to be concentrating 100% all the time always. So I've been working a later shift and just kind of collapsing onto the couch and watching the adorable little animals and watching him fish and all the little funny puns. Um, And I've been really enjoying it. So did you notice what fruit he has on his island? Because every island that you get when you play has a different fruit that you can harvest. So I'm curious what fruit he got. He has apples. Oh, I have oranges. So, and I've been. Wow. So different. You and him are so so different. (laughs) It's like apples and oranges. It's so weird. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, so yeah, no, I've been playing it too. I wrote something about it, which you can read on tech.usatoday.com. But it was funny because I wrote on Twitter, like right around when this came out, how last year with video games, we were all playing these games in post-apocalyptic worlds because we were so bored with our lives. And now we're playing a game where we pick weeds and grow oranges because we're all in like a pandemic right now. So it's kind of weird how this role reversal has gone with games where, you know, a lot of the games like the fallouts, I'm not interested in at all because it's almost too close to home. And Animal Crossing has been so peaceful. It, it's literally like a vacation. And that's pretty much what the premise of the game is. You're on vacation on a deserted island. And that's what I feel when I play all the time. I feel like I can just escape and I get to travel without really traveling. And it just feels so relaxing. The biggest thing I have to worry about is, am I watering my trees enough? Did I get the right price for my coconuts or whatever? It's just so simple and so peaceful. And I don't have to think about anything other than that. And it's it's just, it's such a delight. I absolutely love it. I hope you play it. Yeah, he said that I could like do my own account, but like prying the switch away from his hands at this point, I don't think it's happening. You're gonna have to sneak on while he's not there and start your own little island and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what did he name his island, by the way? We named it Amethyst Island because that is his birthstone. We we talked about it for a very long time. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Very nice. <laughs> I had made Snickerdoodle Fudge that day, and we almost named it Snickerdoodle, but that was way too many letters. I named mine Paradise, which is a totally original name for a deserted island, <laughs> but um, it's largely because my daughter said, just name it Paradise. I'm like, okay, great. Let's go. Because I just wanted to get started on it, but... Yeah, it is absolutely delightful. I'm glad you're into it. I really hope you play it because I want to hear your thoughts. And I also want to visit your island because I think it'd be great. Brian, what are you playing, watching that's kind of keeping you sane right now? So I'm actually the only person in my household who's not playing Animal Crossing. Um, both my <laughs> wife. Yeah. Well, I just haven't had the time. Um, yeah, so so we bought yeah, we bought it for, for Kenzie, my daughter, on Friday. I pre-ordered it and you know, it downloaded and everything. And so she started playing it. And then my wife was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So she started playing. I have not built, I have not done an island yet. So that is still, I have that to look forward to. Um, there's always Madden. I play Madden every night as my, that's my go-to. Legos, I started a new Lego. I'm, I'm doing a Lego TIE Fighter right now. Um, that's important. I mean, I was doing Legos before, before kind of like this crisis hit because, you know, it is very stress relieving and it's just fun, like just putting together little dudes. You know, just having them around you. It's it's calming. But yeah, it's it's really weird because like Kelly, I mean, I've, I've kind of been put on a night shift 
and it's like I have this. I feel like I should be working earlier in the day, and usually I do start working earlier in the day just because I I can't help myself because it's what I'm trained to do. And then like I'll go to like eleven or twelve, and I'm like, okay, I need to do you know that's that's my Madden time. I'm gonna do some Legos. I'm reading the stand now, but that's more for work. So yeah, it's just it's it's just kind of a strange it's a strange time because it's just like it is very exhausting, never leaving, and it's and it's. And I work from home a lot anyway, so I, it's not that big a difference than what I did was doing. There's just more people around. It's just not me and the dogs, which kind of you know, it is what it is. But yeah, it's 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 going. You know, Madden and Legos are keeping me sane. So on average, how long does it take you to build like a full Lego thing, like a set or whatever you're building? I, I like. I mean, I can knock out like a small set. I can knock out like in a night, in a couple hours or something. Like some of the bigger things, it'll take me like a few a few nights. And I've gone through a lot of a lot of Netflix shows doing those. So, yeah. It, it's interesting that we're all bringing up Animal Crossing, though, because I feel like that's kind of the one, if there's anything, like, joyful to talk about this past week anyway, that's, like, the one thing I've seen come up time and again is, like, Animal Crossing. And it feels like that's the one kind of happy thing you can do right now that just makes you forget that you're trapped in your house, basically, for... Goodness knows how long. When you think about it, it's scary, obviously, but it's just being able to have that way to just escape it is is something I've seen from a lot of people over the last week. It was perfectly timed. I mean, I don't think it could have been even timed any better. Animal Crossing, Baking, and the Tiger documentary on Netflix. I'm hearing a lot about. Also, Sims. A friend of mine recreated the new girl apartment on Sims and <laughs> went rather viral in her tweet. Not intentionally, but it looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, what's the Tiger Show on Netflix too? I have, what is the Tiger Show on Netflix that everybody's talking about? It's called Tiger King. It's a documentary about the world of big cat private ownership and big cat rescues in the U.S., which is a surprisingly big industry. And there's a big conflict between people who want to own them and people who want no like exotic animals to be owned. And it's about this guy named Joe Exotic. No joke. And I mean, he changed his name, but like, that's what it is. And his conflict with this woman from a big cat rescue. And then also there's murder. By humans or cats? By humans. Oh, okay. When I listen to, I listen to the Joe Exotic podcast, so I'm, I'm almost kind of like, do I know the whole story now? And I, I kind of do want to watch the, the, the show, but I'm like, I feel like I've kind of got to ruin it for me. Well, I'm anti-zoo, so I watched one episode. We did it on Netflix Party to test out that, like, you know, group watching for a story with the TV staff, which you can read at entertainment.usatoday.com. And so just seeing all of the animals, like, kids holding the baby tigers made me so nervous. It was, like, very stressful, so I don't know if I'm going to go back to it right now because I prefer baking shows to de-stress, but it wasn't like bad it was just a little tense for me as someone who is worried about animals in zoos <laughs> okay i might have to watch this now because this sounds kind of fascinating okay let's get to our main topic one thing that has come up that you know we've seen trending lately is movies that we're used to seeing in theater are now showing up on demand a couple more recent examples we have disney's onward which just hit theaters not too long ago it's already available now on demand and it's going to be available soon on disney plus and it's a trend where we're seeing of some movies making that transition more quickly. We're used to waiting a few months for a movie hits 
on demand, but now it's happening immediately. And in some cases, the exact same time. It'll be in theaters and on demand at the same time. So we wanted to talk a little about that and kind of what it means for movies. Brian, it seems like there's been a combination of things where it's either you do the on-demand right away or you're pushing back. What, what's kind of been the what's kind of been going on with all that? Well, I think they're trying to figure it out because we've been on a, on a road toward this point, and now we're just kind of gotten to the point where it needs to happen, where there's a lot of movies that, you know, everybody feels like they have to go, you know, big screen. There's a lot of movies that just kind of go to VOD, the smaller movies. There's a lot of movies that go to Netflix or Amazon. So you have all these different kind of corners, but you have the big studios that just, they want their stuff in theaters. That's the most, that's the most important thing. And now you're seeing that like studios can't put movies in theaters. And, you know, the, and Universal was like the first studio to really do it because they had, they put Invisible Man, The Hunt, and Emma, which had just come out in the movie theaters they put them up for rent last week and it was the smartest thing because they're not going to make money in the theaters so you might as well just you know make as much money as you can on streaming and invisible man may i mean i don't know how much money it makes because they don't really get into the numbers for digital stuff but it was like number one on fandango now which is it's probably pretty good and there's a lot of interest for that because it's probably the best picture so far this year and then you had Universal say, okay, well, we got this Trolls World Tour. It's supposed to come out April 10th. We're going to put it up. You know, you can rent it on April 10th, too. And if theaters are open, you can go see it there. VOD, it's there, too. So, you know, a lot of people are like, we hadn't heard about Wonder Woman. Is Wonder Woman going to go, you know, to streaming first? Or are they going to hold out for, a, you know, a theatrical release? And they are, you know, they're going to, you know, I think yesterday I got pushed to August 14th. But then you had like In the Heights and Scoob and, and a new James Bond movie. They just t- totally fallen off the calendar. So I think, I think the studios are trying to figure out right now, okay, well, this is the kind of stuff we need in the theater. And we're, you know, we're, we're willing to hold out for that. But then they also got to figure out, well, if we got this one kind of mid-tier movie, it might not make a lot of money in the theater. Why don't we just release it on streaming where it might find it more more of an audience than an actual like killing the box office? So it's interesting. I feel like I would rather see like a Star Wars or a Marvel movie on a big screen. But for a lot of stuff, you know, I don't I mean, putting it on a laptop or putting it on my um, TV is fine. Kelly, what kind of impact do you think this will have on box office and movies in general? Yeah, uh, the thing, I think they've made some really good decisions, they being most of the movie studios. Um, I think that, you know, they need to recoup the money some way. And I do think that even though there's so many streaming options already for movies, there is still the thrill for people to see the new thing. They've had advertising for Emma and Invisible Man and Trolls World Tour. And so I think it is exciting more so maybe than watching an old James Bond flick on Amazon to rent the new movie. So I think that's really good for right now for like, you know, putting a bandaid on things as the world is, you know, doing what it's doing. Um, But I do, I, I hope that this doesn't mean that like when we hopefully return to somewhat of a normal, that this is bad for like the movie going experience and especially indie and art house theaters who are like many, many small businesses and local businesses struggling, you know, the hardest right now. And so there is a lot of great advantages to going to a movie theater. And it's an experience that I, I still really love. And I know a lot of people still really love. So, you know, trying to figure out how to balance, like Brian said, 
what can come right now and find an audience and make money and help people at home find something joyful. I was happy to see In the Heights get pushed, not because I want to wait for it, but because I do think that's a film that would be wonderful on a big screen, big dancing, big singing, big rapping, you know? There are some things that are still left on the release calendar, and I'm really interested to see what happens to them. On Disney, Artemis Fowl is like hasn't been pushed yet. It's still set to come out this summer. And I I think that's funny for a lot of reasons. It's gonna be big with special effects and stuff, but it's like it's a kids in the wrinkle in time age group kind of thing. Like it's for younger kids. It's not a huge, huge name. But I read the Artemis Fowl books when I was little. I loved them. And when I was like 10 years old, which was, you know. Some time ago, I was promised an Artemis Fowl movie and it was stuck in production and development hell for a long time. So if this delays Artemis Fowl again, <laughs> like truly, I, I just won't believe the movie exists. There's two movies Disney pulled, you know, New Mutants and Artemis Fowl, which neither of those movies are going to make Marvel numbers. You know, yeah. they're just not going to. So I think that is a good case study for like, instead of delaying New Mutants, like... Another zillion years. Yeah, I mean, I think it was 2017 that I wrote that was like, I mean, that's how long this thing's kind of been around. So that that is a perfect thing to put on Hulu or to put up on VOD and then like move it to Hulu. I think Artemis Fowl is a perfect thing that, that what they did with Onward is put it up for streaming and then you know three weeks later put it on disney plus or on, just put it on disney plus i think something like that you know where you could have like a franchise a movie franchise on a streaming service that's something they don't have yet you know there's a lot of people getting disney plus anyway but i think that's a way to keep them there is if you're like not only do we have all these shows and all these old movies we have our own movie franchise because that thing might only make like $30 million, you know, tops at the box office, unless it's well-reviewed and everything, then you don't make any more of them. But if you have something that, like, if it becomes, like, a hit on a, on a streaming service, then that's maybe the key of, like, okay, well, we found an audience. It might be worth investing more money into this going forward, and then you have a, a second movie and a third movie. I think what's interesting about this is, you know, you mentioned, like, some of the mid-tier movies pulling this off. I... I think people are okay with it now because they understand the climate that we're in and we can't literally go to a theater. But I wonder once theaters are open, if we see more of these mid-level movies do this. And at the same time, with Netflix and Amazon and Hulu, it's different when they release a movie on their platform. But when you see like a Disney or Universal release a movie and they say, oh, we're just going to put it on demand, there's almost like a question in the back of your head of, is the movie not that good? You don't want to put it in theaters. And right. there's still a little bit of that stigma there. And I wonder if that maybe it becomes less coming out of this or it does make me wonder whether people still attach that feeling of if it's a movie that's going straight to VOD, it can't be that good. Well, they got to get rid of that stigma. I mean, you know, it's Netflix and HBO don't have that stigma. It's like, oh, well, if it's on HBO, it must suck. No, if it's on HBO, it's probably pretty good. It's probably the studios. They want that big opening weekend that they can tout. They don't want, like, you know, numbers they can't tout on a digital service. But they got to get over that stigma because people are watching more stuff at home more than ever. You know, this this whole stuff that's going on right now might change us forever. We might have, you know, more people that don't want to really kind of go out for a while. And also, it is ridiculously expensive to take a family to 
a movie theater and to get popcorn and tickets and all this kind of nonsense. Rubber's going to meet the road in terms of how everything's priced, how much there is of it, and, you know, the stigma of, like, just because it's on VOD, it sucks. There's a lot of things that need to, like, figure themselves out. But that's, of all this, I, th- I feel like that's the one thing that especially needs to get figured out is, like, this stupid stigma about VOD and how it doesn't equal quality just because you can stream it. Um, what I think is interesting is I saw an interview with Jason Blum recently about how, you know, even before the pandemic, Hollywood was already, you know, the the question of what goes into theaters anymore was a big topic at Hollywood Studios. And he was talking about the different cost structures associated with it. And like when you're making a movie like a Blumhouse horror movie with the intention of releasing it in theaters, you want to do it as cheaply as possible because your director salary is coming as a percentage of the profits. But if you're making it for streaming, um, it's the reverse. You spend as much money as you can up front because you're getting the money up front and there is no profits at the end. Their Netflix or whomever is just buying the movie. So it's interesting to see how that might affect how things change going forward and, you know, how much money the streaming services are going to start ponying up. I mean, there's already this arms race. HBO Max bought the Russell Simmons documentary out of Sundance, which was like their first big like film acquisition. They've announced lots and lots of TV programming. And so like HBO itself has also bought more stuff out of Sundance. There's a good movie coming on HBO later called Bad Education with um, Alison Janney that like they did with the tale last year with Laura Dern. So yeah, it's definitely changing. And if it was changing at a snail's pace, it's now probably changing at like, what is the sloth slightly faster than a snail? What's faster than a snail, but not like a jaguar. (laughs) (laughs) So we've seen a lot of, again, mid tier movies do this. Black widow has been postponed right now. We've seen wonder woman get pushed back. Do either of you see any blockbuster maybe, taking this direction or is it the case of it'll just keep getting pushed back until theaters are open and then there's a movie there they can watch i thought wonder woman i mean you know again i think the studio probably thinks that's going to make a lot of money who knows it's gotten pushed that's gotten pushed around a lot too i feel like you know if i'm them and i've got this spanking new streaming service that i've got to open up and i got to get a lot of subscribers for you know, if I'm me, I put Wonder Woman on that streaming service as as like a launch launch thing. If you want to see Wonder Woman, get HBO Max. That I mean, that that would be me. They did not go that point. They're not me. <laughs> they want they want the uh, they want a box office record. Apparently, something like that would have worked. I feel like there's a lot of big movies that have just kind of you know they've played chicken and kind of you know they've they've moved. The Trolls World Tour. I think that would be and that's that's going to be an interesting thing to see because. Trolls made a lot of money for Universal, you know, however many years ago when it first came out. If it if 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 a lot of people watch it and it becomes like a hit that you like a streaming hit, you know, people watching it on social media, a lot, you know, it's it getting a lot of buzz that first weekend, I think a lot of people might reconsider, well, you know, maybe maybe we have this mid mid to higher tier thing. Maybe we'll give it a shot putting it on HBO Max or Disney Plus. Or, you know, putting it on a streaming first. Because we, I mean, we don't know when all this is going to, um, 
you know, end. You know, I don't think it's going to be by Easter, even though some people think it's going to be. So, you know, we might be in for this until like June or July. And it, it, to keep people interested in their movies, somebody should put something big up on a streaming service just to, you know, to keep morale high, to keep people interested in the movies. Because that's also the other thing Hollywood doesn't want to do is you know, have everybody forget about them. They're mm-hmm. already having problems keeping people interested in going to the movies and everything else to TV. If you just take movies totally off the board for months, are you going to be able to get them back? You know, you'll get them back for like, you know, big movies, but for anything other than that, it's going to be, it might be hard. Kelly, do you see any um, blockbusters going the route of streaming or do you think it's going to continue getting pushed back until theaters are open again? Well, what I think is interesting about Disney Plus is the other side of it is that their adult TV slate is all out of whack now because nothing was finished past The Mandalorian Season 1, which wrapped at the end of 2019. And their new programming TV-wise has been nonfiction, which is kind of family-oriented, and then like pure children's. Like There's a great show we're on right now called Diary of a Future President, but it's a kid's show. Or then there's also a lot of animation, Star Wars Clone Wars and that kind of stuff. So the big name Disney Plus TV shows that they were really excited about and that, you know, sold a lot of subscriptions were the Marvel shows. And they're not done. So depending on how long production is shut down, that creates a problem for keeping adults interested in Disney Plus, I really think. So I honestly thought Black Widow might go to Disney Plus because... It's not so special effects oriented that it feels like it needs to be on a big screen. It's much more action-y. It feels more like Falcon and Winter Soldier in terms of like what plays out. Like It feels like it could have been a TV show just because of the character and her style of super heroics. I imagine they didn't possibly for optics. I don't think they wanted the like their first solo, well, not their first solo, but one of their solo female heroes that had such fan passion behind it to be pushed to streaming, like to be the first thing because of the pandemic to be pushed to Disney Plus instead of theaters. I think that they would have had a lot of pushback from like loyal fans. Um, and I think they would have gotten criticism from various corners. So I don't know if they would, but it depends on how long these things go on. We don't really know what's going to happen in the next month or the next week even. So I think it has to do with how long production is shut down, how long theaters are shut down to see what happens because they can change their minds. I mean, yeah, release dates are, as we know now, not remotely set in stone. They could decide to push something. But if I were to pick one that I think would be a good candidate, I think it would be Black Widow. Well, let's stop right there. Listeners, it's your turn. What kind of books, TV shows, movies, or games are you consuming to keep yourself sane? And what do you think about what's going on with movie theaters? Is streaming now the future? Is this going to get accelerated? What are your thoughts? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23 I'm at Brian Truitt. And I'm at KLALS, K-L-A-W-L-S. And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership this week, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other people find the show, and we love your feedback. Everybody wins. If Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks again. Until next week, nerds out. Later. Stay safe.